Welcome to another episode of The Emma Gunn Show. I am your host, Emma Gunn-Awardner, and in this episode, I'm trying something a little different. Yes, listeners, this is my first compilation show. Now, the compilation show has been born of your messages, uh, your DMs, asking me about the shows that I found inspiring, the guests that I found inspiring or been particularly moved by, and equally the shows that you've been telling me have really struck a chord and inspired you. So I thought it was time to put all of these things into one place, and I thought about doing a blog post with lots of links and giving you timestamps to the episodes and what have you. I even thought maybe this is the, the meat of my first ever book, but actually, let's just put them all in a podcast. Well, I say all, but that wouldn't be practical because truthfully, I could probably take big fat chunks out of every single podcast. But seeing as I've done over 60, that would be one long show. So what I've done is I've chosen the top five based on your feedback. I've trawled through the emails and looked at the episodes that I've had the most feedback on. And I've tried to select the sections that you have told me have really uh, struck a chord with you. So hopefully this provides a really nice, juicy, meaty podcast full of inspiration, because that is my intention. So the five podcasts are Sally Hughes, Jen Sincero, the author, Sam and Nick from Pixie Woo, Michelle Visage from RuPaul's Drag Race, and Leona Lewis. So that's where we're going to go with these. These are the shows that you've really enjoyed. So if you're a regular listener, you might have heard some of this before, but I'll try and give you some introductions and context to add a little bit of newness to the show. Equally, if you're just discovering the Emma Gunn show, then welcome, welcome, welcome. This show gives you a really good overview of what kind of content you're gonna get. So I really hope that you enjoy it. In any event, if you love it, if you hate it, please email me, thebeautypodcast at gmail.com. You can also DM me on social media. I use Twitter and Instagram the most, and I am at Emma Gunn's on both of those. And again, I always like to take a moment at the beginning of the show to thank everybody who gets in touch. This show really is the, uh, the result of all of your messages and all of the DMs that I've been getting. But I also want to thank everybody who reviews the show over on iTunes and subscribes, whether it's on iTunes or whether it's on the various um, Android download podcast appy things. Clearly, I'm not that technical, so maybe that's a good time to flag that up in case there's any janky editing that goes on. I'm going to start with Sally Hughes. Um, I really hope you enjoy the show. Thank you ever so much for tuning in. And uh, yeah, let's Sally Hughes is the author and journalist. She has a regular column in The Guardian and she has penned two books, Pretty Honest and Pretty Iconic. When I went to go and see her, we talked for quite some time about an awful lot of topics, but the thing that I have lost count of the amount of times people have come up and actually referenced is when she talks about writing a book, the process that she went through and the way that she thought about it. Um, It's proven to have been very inspiring, hence its inclusion in the inspiration compilation. And I just want to make the point, it doesn't have to be about a book. 
So it might be that you want to open a flower shop. It might be that there is something that you really want to do, but you feel like it's the kind of thing that other people can do and you can't, or you feel like it's the kind of thing that's outside of your grasp. It's about her attitude. And that's, I must admit, I come back to the way that Sally thinks quite a lot. And if ever I see her, I always end up finding myself sort of saying, "Um, yeah, so, you know, how would you approach this sort of thing? Because she just has a really brilliant default position of go-getting is the wrong expression, but she knows what she wants and she doesn't fanny about, she does it. And I really respect her for it. And I'm thrilled that people have found the content of the podcast with her inspirational. And so here we go. This, This is Sally Hughes talking about how she wrote her book. your writing process for this um, okay in the sense of you had a digital detox towards the end yeah yeah um and I'm really really intrigued by people who set set a goal and actually do it because we can all talk about I want to do this and I want to do that and I want to be a pop star if you watch Saturday Night TV um but actually seeing that through what how what's your process like how did you make it happen it's really weird oh it's my dog keeps escaping. It's really weird because um, when I do um, book events, when I did loads of them for Pretty Honest, a, a common question would be, how do you write a book? What are your tips for writing a book? And the only really, really useful thing is you either write it or you don't write it and then you feel really upset. And if you say you're going to write a book and you don't write it, a few things will happen. Firstly, you'll feel really disappointed in yourself. Secondly, your publisher will feel really gutted and make you give the money back. Um, and thirdly, what I was really worried about with Pretty Honest is that somebody else will write your book. And if somebody else writes your book in the way that you would write it or in the way that it shouldn't have been written, in your opinion, then you'll just get really, really upset and it'll be no one's fault but your own. I remember when Pretty Honest came out, somebody slightly indiscreet in this industry um, was um, with somebody else in this industry, with another writer, and they said, um, I should have written that book. I should have written Pretty Honest. And it's like, yeah, but you didn't. You didn't. (laughs) I did. Yeah. I wrote it. And I think you have to take that view. You have to think, is it important to me personally that I write it? And if it is important to you, you just do it. And if you don't do it, you're gutted. Mm. Obviously, that's easier said than done. Obviously, you need some kind of process. Um, I found, <coughs> as a journalist, I've been, I've, I've been a journalist for 20 years. I've only been an author for a few years. And so my habits are really ingrained. And the thing about books is never tell a journalist they have a year to write a book. <laughs> never tell a journalist they're writing a book. It's too intimidating. So what... I did, especially with Pretty Honest, and to some degree with Pretty Iconic, is I filed features every couple of days. I just saw chapters as features, Mm. and I walked away from them. As soon as I'd filed them, I forgot about them. And that is the best way for me as a journalist to work, because I need deadlines. I need to know people are expecting things from me at a certain time. I need to use up the time I have, not plan it very, very sensibly. And the moment it's gone, I need to forget about it like I've sent a column or a feature. Mm-hmm. So that's what I did. I, kept sent, I didn't deliver a book. I delivered chunks. 
Interesting. And it's true, isn't it? A lot of the, it's like a to-do list. Yeah. Break down. Yeah. Pretty honest, I pretty much delivered, I think I delivered sort of two, two chapters, two features every few days for a few months and that that's how it, I did it and I found I was able to do it that way but for months and months and months I did bugger all and and the only reason I started was one day this woman on Twitter this very nice woman on Twitter tweeted me and said I'm so excited I've just pre-ordered your book and at that point I hadn't started this is pretty honest I hadn't even started writing and I felt sick I thought I was going to hurl on my computer I was so like panicky yeah. and that's when I said to my agent I can't write a book and she said of course you can't you're a journalist you write features so that's what I did so that's a brilliant piece of advice I would definitely definitely do that and um if you have never written if you're not a journalist and you're not an author and you just have a longing to write um you need to write writers write Mm. and you need to get up every day and write something whether it's a blog post whether it's a long diary entry you need to write Mm. because if you wait if you wait for the opportunity to write a perfect book or write a perfect piece of journalism, it will never happen. You just need to write stuff down and then you are a writer. I read another article or another interview of yours where you just say, if you want to get into journalism, start a blog, start mm. writing. Mm. Don't, don't want, do. Yeah, well, people will often say to you um, at parties oh, I I really want to be a journalist. How can I be a journalist? And you say, oh, what do you write? And they say, I was really good at English at school. And you think, well, lots of people were good at English, Mm -hmm. but actually not many people get up and write stuff down. And anybody can do that. You don't have to be a paid journalist. And that's why I really respect bloggers who've kind of hit it big because they get up and they write their words. And good things happen to people who keep practicing and keep writing good stuff. One of my favourite uh, questions for my podcast guests is, can you pinpoint a sliding doors moment in your life? Here is Sally's answer. It prompts um, <laughs> uh, some chat about luck. I think you might find this interesting. Well, definitely starting definitely starting out, so my first journalism job... Um, I heard that um, they were looking for work experience people, a work experience person at Loaded magazine. So this was forever ago. I think this would have been about 90, 90, uh, 97, 98, somewhere around then. And um, I called up and I got an interview as work experience and I went, um, they were interviewing various people, and I went in on the day of my interview, and the editor's PA, there was just no one there, except for the editor's PA, and she said they all went to an award show last night, and they all got really pissed, and they haven't turned up for work, which was very uh, routine, as I later found out. Mm-hmm. And she said, nobody's here, do you want to go, or maybe you can stay for a little bit? So I said, I'll stay. So she showed me around to the fashion cupboard, where um, the internship was and I sat outside the fashion cupboard and I waited and about an hour passed and still nobody was there and then um I looked through the window of the fashion cupboard and there was just like fucking piles and piles and piles of clothes like on their side just crap everywhere and so I just tried the handle and it opened so I went into the fashion cupboard 
and I started grouping together the clothes according to designer. And then I found a fashion monitor, which doesn't really exist in paper form anymore, but it was, a, as you know, a directory of where all the fashion and beauty PRs were and who they looked after. So I found a copy of the fashion monitor and I worked out which agencies looked after who, so I grouped them into agencies. I bagged them all up. I found a docket book. I wrote out the dockets <clears throat> and I labelled up all the bags. And finally, after about uh, three hours, the fashion editor came in and just found me sitting there and I'd completely reorganised the fashion cupboard. And he gave me the work experience job and he said, can you start Monday? And I started Monday and on Wednesday, um, they got rid of someone, nothing to do with me. They got rid of someone and they gave me a job and that was my first job, paid job. And that's, that was the beginning of my career. And I do... It was a sliding doors moment insofar as the fashion cupboard was open and I knew how to do returns. But I do think lots of people wouldn't have tried to open the cupboard mm. and do it. And I really, really, really believe in luck. I hate people who talk about fate. It drives me mad. People who say everything happened for a reason, I just hate them. It's a ridiculous statement, utterly ridiculous statement and offensive on so many levels. Things do not happen for a reason. Things happen arbitrarily all the time. However, I do massively believe in luck and coincidence. And if you exploit your luck and you exploit your coincidences with hard work and some brazen, shameless ambition, then I think you can go really, really far. And people get on my nerves when they don't. People who don't realise the opportunities they have and don't exploit them really wind me up. Mm. It's like my worst thing. Just do it. Just do it. Stop life. talking about it and thinking it should come to you. It's and your life. Go and get it. I was so thrilled when Jen Sincero agreed to be on the podcast. She's the author of You Are a Badass and You Are a Badass at Making Money. And those books kicked my ass and they really did change some things and or the way that I was seeing things in a really positive way. And I was so pleased to be able to chat to her in a show that you would be able to listen to. She has said a lot of interesting things, but the snippets that I've picked out in this particular compilation episode are the things about being stuck in a rut, about respecting yourself and about the importance of visualisation. She just says it very plainly and the thing I find with Jen is it's very hard to argue with her because if you argue with her, any kind of counter-argument I should say that you offer to her advice sounds like whining. So she's quite a good person to have on demand as it were, be it her books or on this show. Um, and I hope that if you haven't listened to the Jen Sincero episode in full yet, that maybe after you hear these snippets, you want to listen to the entire conversation. So here we go, Jen Sincero. I hope she kicks your ass as much as she kicked mine. And I mean that with love. And you also talk about um, make, the decision to make money is is that... that, that um, flip of the switch is like saying right I'm going to lose weight or I'm going to start dating so I can find someone that I'll end up marrying it's sort of an an instant moment how did you how does one maintain that because you know we all know that we fall off the wagon these journeys aren't necessarily linear what's the advice to keep pushing through even when it doesn't feel like it's 
going to happen or you feel despondent or unmotivated? Well, first of all, understanding that you don't have to be 100% all the time positive and excited and happy and going for it. And, you know, we're humans. We have emotions and there are going to be days where you feel like a giant sucking thing and you don't believe it's possible and you have a big pity party for yourself. So allow yourself that. That is normal. Mm -hmm. But you are unauthorized to stay there. And that's where we get into troubles when we decide that this is the truth and it's our reality and we you know, continually look for proof that we do suck at dating and that money is unavailable. So Mm. feel it, but get over it. And then the way to stay on that party train of awesomeness is to go to the spiritual gym, as I like to call it, you know, (laughs) create a practice for yourself every single day. Um, read a self-help book that inspires you for five minutes, meditate, um, listen to guided meditations, listen to music that pumps you up instead of makes you depressed, you know, mm. go hiking out in nature, what, what surround yourself with people who inspire you and make you feel like you can kick ass, you know, but you've got to figure out what is it for you that makes you feel powerful? What specific things is it for you? And you've got to put it in your schedule and you have to do it every day. It's like going to the gym. You've got to work out every day and keep those muscles strong if you want to stay in shape. Same thing with your mindset. You've got to keep it in shape. And just hoping it's going to happen isn't going to work. You've got to have these specific pieces in place to get yourself where you need to go. And it's the recovery, isn't it? It's like like, like you say, have a pity party, but come back to your default position and make that default position a positive one as opposed to a, oh, yeah, no, I'm, I am useless. I do suck. Yeah, and having this spiritual gym practice in place when you're ready to stop feeling sorry for yourself, get back in the game and go to that gym. This next uh, snippet by Jen Sincero is a great example of just because it has always been, it doesn't mean it will always be. If you feel stuck in a rut, or if you think that this is just your lot, this is just your life, then I got news for you. Jen would disagree. She would say that all it takes is changing your mind and then anything can happen. I'll let her do the talking. I listened to another interview you did where, and it it was one of those moments you said it and I thought that's so true. The people who are there for you when you're on the downs and outs, may seem great but actually it's the people who when you're on the up and you're doing well who cheer for you that you kind of almost appreciate more yeah because when you're down in the dumps and somebody comes to help you and don't get me wrong like I am so grateful to anybody who's ever helped me when I was in the pits Mm. but they get something out of it too you know they get to feel like the hero and they saved you and they're helpful When you cheer somebody on who is kicking ass, especially if you are not at that moment yourself, there's nothing in it for you. Mm. And so my friends and my colleagues who support me all the time, regardless of whatever position they're in, that, that is very impressive to me. And, um, and that's the kind of person I aspire to be as well. I think that that really shows a level of evolution that is impressive. (laughs) Now, one of the things that I have really taken away from your book, particularly the second book, is um, 
I turn 40 later this year and my podcast listeners will know I keep banging on about it. Um, and there's almost this, this element of, well, wherever you're at now, that's where you're going to be because you've had 40 years and if this is where you are, then that's what you want. I need to believe, Jen, I need to believe so hard that this isn't, <laughs> that this isn't it, that I'm that 40, turning 40 doesn't mean that I'm not capable of progressing or getting better. Please encourage me. <laughs> well, listen, you, you made the right call because I was living in a converted garage at the age of 40. I was $20,000 in debt at the age of 40. I had no idea what I wanted to do with my life at the age of 40. And I am 51 now and I am making seven figures. I'm living in an amazingly beautiful house. I travel the world all the time. Mm -hmm. If my broke ass can do it, you can do it. Trust me. Yes, God. <laughs> Does visual, visualization, visualization plays a massive role in the books and in your uh, journey, as it were. How does one visualize realistically and in a way oh. that's achievable? Realistically is one of my favorite words because <laughs> it's so ridiculous. Think about it. Realistically, if we subscribe to that, nothing would get done. Like realistically, could we put a man on the moon? Realistically, could we build skyscrapers? Realistically, could humans fly? You know what I mean? So it's a really interesting term. And realistically, what is in your heart is the truth. And I know that sounds really woo woo, but it's when we have the audacity to believe in our desires more than what is currently surrounding us you know, when, when, when we make the truth, our desires, not our circumstances, that's, that's when we empower ourselves. So, you know, there I was in a converted garage, age of 40, never made a dime my whole life, sucked at making money, didn't know what the hell I wanted to do. I could have latched onto that easily for the rest of my life. Cause I had 40 years of proof that that was the truth. And it wasn't until I was like, I am bored and I am tired and I hate this. <laughs> That I was like, I decided that that was not my truth and that, you know, I made my mantra, I live in an abundant universe and money flows to me freely and easily. I live in an abundant universe and money flows to me freely and easily. I said it all the time, especially when I wanted to say I can't afford it. I My old mantra was I can't afford it. And it was that switching of my focus and that decision to believe in something that seemed so out of my reach and so impossible and so unrealistic just putting myself in that mode of thinking and saying and believing and focusing raised my energy and it opened me up to all the opportunities that I wasn't allowing myself to see because I was being, you know, subscribing to this other quote unquote reality mm -hmm. that was my environment. So I started visualizing new things for myself and, um, that really is the key is acting as if before the new reality appears in in front of you. I think you, you talked about woo woo, but I think that what I love about the books is that yes, you talk about the universe listening, having a glass pressed up to the wall of your um, thoughts and desperately trying <laughs> to catch on to what you're thinking so it can deliver. But equally you are very realistic. And like I said, you know, you're the, you're the friend who'll say, who'll give it to you straight. And I love the yeah. Sorry, carry on. 
Well, I just want to say one more thing about the realism thing. Mm-hmm. If you, if you're making, let's say 70 pounds a year and you want to make a million pounds a year, right? You want to, and, and I don't think that's, I don't think that's impossible by the way. People do it all the time, but the reality part of that is you've got to have an income stream in place. You've got to have a hardcore spiritual gym in place. You've got to go at it like your life depends on it. So you can do it, mm-hmm. but you might, you know, depending on how, how much you've gotten in place and you can get those things in place, but it has to have meaning behind it. So that million dollars a year, what are you spending it on? What are you doing to make that money? Why is it important to you? Um, when you get into those specific pieces around what you're creating, that's how you empower yourself to make it. So the reality comes in the, you know, the realistic part comes in, um, based on your desires. And so back in the day when, when I was in the converted garage, of course, who doesn't want to make millions of dollars a year, but for me, I wanted to get out of debt and I wanted to make a, you know, a certain amount of money that would allow me to buy a car that actually freaking work and to, to move into a much nicer place. So, my visualization of all these different things grew as I grew mm-hmm. That's and continues to grow. Very interesting. <laughs> I really like that part of the book as well, where you say you have to crystallize it. Don't just say, I want millions. Say what mm-hmm. you want millions for. Yeah. Because that's where you get the energy and the emotion behind it mm-hmm. because vagueness doesn't inspire us. You know, the second it gets hard, you're going to be like, oh, well, I guess I'm not going to be a millionaire this year. You know, but if you're like, I have found the beach house I am going to buy, I am traveling to these specific places in the world, and this is exactly how much that is going to cost. I am donating this much money to the charity that I love and feel so strongly about. Those things will get you out of bed in the morning, rolling up your sleeves and taking huge risks to catapult yourself into a new reality. The vagueness will get you nowhere. Finally, from Jen in this episode, I wanted to get her thoughts on the power of no. Um, She talks about it a lot in her book, and this snippet, I think, um, is of real value. I know that I love hearing it. I sometimes revisit it, so I hope that you feel the same. May we quickly talk about the word no? Obviously, we've talked about rejection, but I'm talking about me being able to say no or someone who's listening to this who's being offered a lunch in exchange for their insight or is being asked to write for free or any of those things and being able to say no mm-hmm. you've I've heard you talk before about if you say yes to something you don't want to do it's it sends out an icky energy yeah it's about valuing yourself and not coming from a desperate need to be liked And, you know, when you really love yourself and value yourself, um, you have excellent boundaries. You understand that when you say yes to somebody out of guilt and obligation, you're not doing them a favor either. I don't want somebody to do something for me if they don't want to do it. You know what I mean? So when, but it starts from, um, having your own appreciation and respect for yourself. And then that will flow out to respecting others as well. The podcast with Sam and Nick from Pixie Woo has undoubtedly been one of the most popular episodes of The Emma Gunn Show. And I get a lot of correspondence about how inspiring they find the girls, how down to earth and how open. And one of the things that I really wanted to chat to them about was about success, about how 
you go about achieving it. Now, they started a YouTube channel before anyone was making any money from YouTube. And Pixie Woo is arguably one of the most successful video channels there is. They have remained consistent. Their content is absolutely brilliant. But it's one thing to put out fantastic content. It's another thing to monetize and to become, well, fame is probably the wrong word, but to, to reach a massive audience. So I wanted to find out from them, did they know? Did they have a plan? Did they have a strategy? Was it all part of an evil plan? Or did they go on instinct? I loved their answer and I hope you do too. Yeah, I mean, I'd like to say that we knew from the beginning, but we didn't, we had no idea. And we, it was the first time that Nick and I were actually able to be in a room without punching each other in the face. I mean, honestly, we, it was the one thing that, well, I don't, I don't know if we would have really punched each other we in did, the face. That did happen. Yeah, that has happened. That has happened on a few occasions. Well, not since we started doing YouTube. But yeah, that was before. That was before YouTube, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah. But um, I think as you just get older, you realise actually I have got more in common with my sister than I thought. Mm. And yeah, I'm not just the annoying little sister. Sometimes I am, but not all the time. <laughs> not all the time. But I think, yeah, it was, it was more us getting on and realising actually we're mates and we do something that we love and then the rest all flowed. We never looked for it. I do feel though if you, if you, right, so, okay, uh, we've talked a lot about the fact that I have anxiety but actually also we're both very positive people mm. even though I have spells where I'm very anxious. Generally I feel if you do have a positive outlook, you will attract good energy. Yeah. Mm. Um, and I and I do I sort of feel a, also, that that might be the case. Also, together we're a force. Mm. You know, together we're hardcore. Mm. You know, yeah. we, we filmed a video the other day, and we don't stand for anything. Don't shit. say what it was for. No, we filmed this a video like the other day, both, yeah. and um, we we got a cameraman in for once, and something hadn't happened. Something hadn't been said. It was so out of our control. It was someone else's fault, and we lost the plot in front of the cameraman <laughs> we on, the, on phone, the phone having a proper proper meltdown not at the person like we were saying why can't they just do that da, 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 da. it wasn't at the actual person so it wasn't we didn't feel bad about it because it wasn't mm. it was like just telling them and we got off the phone and he said I love that you two literally stand for no shit mm. and we were like oh didn't even realise that we... He said, he said, most people say they're going to say that, but then they never say it. <laughs> <laughs> that takes balls. That takes I think balls. being sisters, and, and that's the way we are. I think, yeah, I mean, like, we're, we're, we're okay at saying exactly what we think now. Mm. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's, that's... We never want to offend anyone, and, and if we're doing a job, we'll be... First in, last to leave, mm. work our asses yeah, off. Yeah, we really, really super professional because that's how we've been brought up. That's mm. how we had to work when we were makeup artists. That's how we are. But we also are not afraid to say, do you know what? I know my job. I've done it for eight, nine years. I can, I can do that, and I can do that, or I can't do. You know, but I won't this do was that. your job. Yeah, you had one job. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I even, and I even called you and said, can you make sure you do this for me? So yeah, it's a... But not to dismiss that, let's just go back, because there might be listeners who find it really difficult not to edit themselves. Yeah. So to those people, and I'm definitely one of them who sort of 
you know, pads around a subject yeah. and then delivers my actual feelings. Are there any oh, I said tips sound so sort of vague, but what's the key to it? You'll always offend someone. You will always offend someone, so just just accept it. Just like man up and go, well, someone's gonna be annoyed. And the thing is, if you constantly dilute yourself, it just makes you boring, mm. right? And I've been there because for a long time I tried to please the people on social media. And do you know what? It makes your content dull as shit. It really does. So you've got to do what you want to do, only what you want to do, and not try and please people. Yeah. That's the only way that you get passion in what you do and the only way that it comes across as being new and fresh because only you can be you. Mm. I don't give a shit about unicorns. I'm not going to do a or unicorn. Cupcake. I, if I ate a cupcake, jeez, I wouldn't be able to wear any of the clothes that I've got. One cupcake, <laughs> even smelling one, would make me fat instantly. Well, you're on this major health kick at the moment. I That's keep... why I just don't like cupcakes, because I'm on a health kick. <laughs> <laughs> Anything to, yeah. But I, I work out to make me feel happy, mm. weirdly. It's not for any other reason, because I'm actually quite happy with the lower part of my body um but <laughs> i work out to because i love it mm. i literally enjoy it it gets me going and first thing in the morning i just love it it's clinically proven mental health mm-hmm. it is it make, yeah. sorry i'm eating melon sorry. it <laughs> makes me not as mental i think it's really i just mm. love it if I, but then you get into this whole thing of feeling mental if you don't train for a day Mm, yeah. Like, oh my god. It's balance. Everything is about finding balance. It's about even yeah. when it's saying what you want to say, it's about finding the balance, saying it in a way that yes, you understand someone's going to be offended, but it's important to you Absolutely. to say what you think. Everything is about balance. I think you you know Yeah, it's so easy. People get offended by all sorts of things. Yeah. Someone will moan that you just said mental. A lot of the time I feel mental. Mm. I am a bit mental. You know, that's fine. I like that word. Yeah. It sums me up perfectly. If someone's going to be offended by it, it's not my problem. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I'm, and their definition is different from yours. Absolutely. Therefore, you shouldn't edit yourself to use mental in the way that they use it. Absolutely. It's, it's you know, people will find anything to moan about because everyone has a, pla- a platform now, mm. you know, and too much time. Yeah. What's the saying? If you haven't got anything nice to say, don't say it at all. Mm. But that doesn't seem to apply on... No, not really. But, YouTube. The, you know, the thing is, everyone has has the right to say whatever they want. And I have the right to ignore everything you say. Mm. Do you know what I mean? I have the right to not give a shit. Mm. And generally, that is that is yeah, we how we... don't give a shit. No. Another one of my favourite questions to ask my guests, particularly those who have made a success out of a passion, is what advice they would give to somebody who wanted to do the thing that they loved in order to pay their bills. And Sam and Nick offer a brilliant perspective on this. Uh, For me personally, I would say people focus too much on the end goal of making money. And I know that's easy to say, because now we do make money. But we didn't make any money for the first two years of doing what we do. We didn't know there was money to be made. You know, so I wouldn't focus on that as being the end goal. If you actually have a passion, then the middle ground has to be that passion. You have Mm. to do that, do that, do that. And eventually, if you love that so much, then you will make money from it. Mm. But don't focus A to 
be, which is money. Mm. Because I feel like that's quite a soulless journey. Mm. I know people that do that. I know bankers that do that. Their goal is to make money. Mm-hmm. And that middle part is just unhappiness because you don't know, mm. you don't have a thing. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? You don't have a p- passion other than getting the money and spending the money. And, and if it's your passion, do it. Mm. You know, a lot of people say, oh, I would love to have done that. Well, you could have. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? A lot of the people, when we started um, when we started our YouTube channel, I was working full-time and doing freelance. So I was working seven days a week, so I was doing freelance on my two days off. Wow. And then overnight, I'd get home living in London, couldn't afford my rent, so that's why I was working so much, get home overnight and film a video, which I would then upload to YouTube. And it was a lot, and people would be like, why, why do you work so much? Why don't you have a day off? And I was like, well, it's not really work. I really love it. I really mm. enjoy it. And I didn't know if it would come to anything. I didn't even think about it. I just loved it. And it was it was me putting makeup on me, which I was really enjoying finding different ways of doing that. Mm. And actually looking at pictures of other people and then trying to make my makeup like theirs was really progressing my makeup skill at the same time. Yeah. Um, but those people that were saying, why are you doing this? Not nasty, but I don't understand why you would do that. Let's go to the pub. They are now, nine years later, starting YouTube channels. Hmm. And, and, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't something that I'd thought about, but if you have a passion for something, then unless you do that passion, hmm. you're never going to get somewhere with it. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And if you just say, oh, I would have loved to have done that, what's to stop you from doing it? You know, if you say, oh, you know, I'm a writer, I would write a book. Do it then. Write the book. Write the book. Mm. Because you're only going to be upset when someone else does it and succeeds and has similar ideas to you and yours doesn't happen. Yeah. Do it. You know, it's not easy. No one said it was easy. Mm. But anything worth having is worth working hard for. You know what I mean? It's definitely not easy. We've both done... We've had five-year plans for ten years. Yeah. And also, we, you know, like Nick said, you know, when we were making no money, we were still working. Yeah. We had to have like second or third jobs in order to fund what we were doing essentially mm. so it's not been easy plus having two kids as well we have two kids each and when I started YouTube I had two kids one which was a baby you know but if you want to do it you will do it mm. if you don't want to do it you will make excuses yeah. you know what I mean and, yeah. that, and that is literally as simple as, as that you'll find the time if you want to do it Michelle Visage is a judge on RuPaul's Drag Race and I was so thrilled to get her on the show because I am a huge, huge mega fan of RuPaul and RuPaul's Drag Race and everything that they do and I am also a subscriber and I have given the show a five-star review of their podcast, What's the Tea? If you aren't subscribed, I highly, highly recommend it. Michelle was a bit of a dream guest for me and I was thrilled to be able to sit down with her and ask her the questions that I often 
ask my guests, things like meditation, self-worth, that sort of thing. And the, the snippet that I have picked out for you on from Michelle's show is about meditation. And simply because I know a lot of you have emailed in and I know that I definitely found it really useful. She simplifies it in a most brilliant, brilliant way. Now she references Rue at the beginning of this snippet because Rue on their podcast talks about his personal development and growth and meditation is a key part of that. So I ask Michelle how she applies it. Rue talks about meditation a lot. Rue's life is meditation. And I feel like he's very... Centred. Yes. Yes. Like uh, drilled into the earth. Yes. And if you need to, you can tether yourself. Yes. But it's taken a very long time for him to get there. And that just goes to show you that focus and determination... Um, gets you to where you want to be. He's never been bigger in his life and he's 56 years old. And this is his biggest year thus far. Time Magazine, an Emmy, our MTV Award. Bigger than anything. And it's just getting bigger and bigger. And um, that's due to focus. Forget about determination, all that stuff. That's Mm. Yes, of course. Focus. Mm. Because most of us, me included, tend to scatter. My self-doubt is a big thing. Um, And we just go all over the place and forget tethering's a great word that we need to be tethered and most of us go through life untethered and um meditation is something that I, i'm reading a great book i've got with me called infinite possibilities uh by mike dooley and it's about taking and I, I told my friend here annie um that five minutes of visualization every day whether it's at night or the morning it's up to you or when you're taking a shit whatever you want to do five minutes of focusing but focus with emotion. So focusing, you can have your vision boards and you can look at them every day and that's going to help and that's great. But if you take five minutes, no more than five minutes, becomes, it becomes overkill. Mm-hmm. And you sit there and you look and you feel what it's going to feel like for you to achieve what you want to achieve. So you know my dream listening to the podcast, one of them is to have a black Corvette. It's been my dream since I'm 13 years old. It sounds so stupid and it's materialistic. And it's something... I always put aside because I have kids and it's like it's just a two-seater and how can I spend all that much money? You know what I mean? But I'm going to get that black Corvette. Like I'm going to get it. No, Somehow. If I have to steal it, I'm going to get it. So <laughs> I, I imagine myself I every day. I on the heist with you? Is it? Come on in with me. I'm going to get that Corvette. And I, I start my visualization every day with seeing myself driving to wherever I want to go in that Corvette. So I see myself driving that black Corvette and I'm so happy. So I see myself driving into the gate of my own TV show. So I'm pulling into the studio a lot. Mm-hmm. I'm like, hey, Michelle. And I see them, see them. I'm like, hey, what's up? And I see the whole thing with emotion. Yeah. Because if you just see it, and you're like, okay, I see that, I see that. Seeing it with emotion is a fast track to making it happen. If you know how you're going to feel, or you could assume how you're going to feel when I sign that contract on my own show, mm-hmm. or you know, I'm signing the contract for season 20 of RuPaul's Drag Race, like we're going and going and going. Mm-hmm. You know how you're going to feel. You're not going to feel sad. Or when my agent calls me and says, you got the job. It's like, oh my God. So feeling that emotion with it. So I do that every day for five minutes. And every day it changes. Except for the Corvette. That stays the same every day. But I see my kids getting into the unis that they want. I see them because my daughter struggled so so hard with depression. I see her happiness. And I really feel like it helps. And it's helping. And Lily has come so far in a very short time. I know, you know, two and a half years of debilitating, crippling, suicidal depression is like not long compared to some people battled the whole life, battled it their whole life. But as a parent, mm-hmm. seeing your child and not being able to do anything about it, it was the longest two, two and a half years of my life. But seeing her now 
functioning. She's the lead of, in, a, in the odd couple play. She's working and she's the vice president of the entire student body. Like things are changing so much for her. And yes, she's doing the work, but I'm helping in the sidelines mm-hmm. with my visualization, you know? So if you're not able to meditate, it's a good way to start. Because most people, me included, will say, I'm not able to shut my brain off. With visualization, you don't have to. In this final snippet, Michelle and I really picked the scab, as it were, of self-worth and the fact that you can, she's a judge on a television show and she critiques other people in a really constructive and positive way, but how easy it is to do it for other people and not be able to do it for yourself and about how sometimes the person you have to be kindest to is you. It sounds obvious, but actually it can be pretty hard to apply. So Michelle explains how she does it and why it might be a challenge for her at times. But when it comes to myself, it's a different story. That's because overachievers tend to be this way. So, you know, with my visualization comes self-reward. Mm-hmm. You know, I feel rewarded when I see myself doing these things. And then there's moments where I'm trying to be kind. i not trying. I am actually being kinder to myself these days because I'll go on auditions and I might not get the audition, but I know it was a good go. Like I walk out feeling I did really well mm-hmm. there. I might not be what they're looking for, but I, I did good, mm-hmm. you know? So I'm giving myself that instead of walking out immediately going, you sucked. That sucked. That comes with age and I don't know, experience. Wisdom, experience, yeah. age, realizing that nothing is that important. Whatever's going to happen is going to happen. Mm-hmm. I'm going to have to create my own shit, chances are, before I'm going to be given anything. And I'm fine with it because I'm a grafter. Like, I will work my ass off for everything, and I have. Nothing has ever been handed to me. Rue has given me these jobs, but I worked my ass off to get to Rue. I worked my ass off to get to the point yeah. because he's not going to ever bring me along if I wasn't worthy of it. He sees something in me that very few people did, and thank God he did. Because now the world gets to see. See, I told you, bitches. I've been telling you this my whole life. You know, and now they see it. You know, but it just takes sometimes you believing in yourself to get to that point. Leona Lewis rounds off this episode, the inspiration compilation. And one of the reasons I wanted to include it is because I've had so many emails and so much feedback about how they loved the idea uh, of how she talks about happiness, of about declaring, I want to be happy and that's okay, and then putting the jigsaw pieces together to create that picture of happiness that you have chosen for yourself in your mind. I hope that you enjoy this. Have you in your own life been at a place where you've actually had to say well what does what does make me happy yeah um definitely i was thinking about this the other day actually it's so weird that you bring it up but i was thinking about what what is it that i really kind of want or what really fulfills me and um what more do i want to achieve what more do i want to do mm-hmm. um because i remember say 10 years ago i'd be like okay well I really want a successful career, I want um, to have records out, I want to do, okay, so I've, I've had that, I've done that, I'm still obviously on the, on the journey, but um, if from people on the outside looking in, I've had a relative success, and, but 
I don't just stop there because mm. so so you've got to the destination where I wanted to get to so what now what is going to fulfill me now what more mm. do I want and obviously to keep um, performing and to, to tour and to and to keep um, doing my music is is of course still one side of that but other things like spending time with my family more now makes me really happy. Um, I have a lot of animals as well. Mm. Like spending time with them, making sure they're good. I have an animal sanctuary, um, making sure that that's all kind of flowing and, and, and getting what it needs to survive and keep uh, and be sustainable. So d different kind of, I don't know, It's there's never a destination. I feel like it's just an ongoing continuous journey and evolution. Now, I've talked about this a lot on the podcast and I've read a lot of self-help books or listened to interviews with some really successful people who always say that a to-do list, vision boards and goal setting is really important. So I asked Leona, do you set goals? Do you have a to-do list? Do you visualise the things that you want for yourself? And this is what she said. In other areas of your life, are you um, big at goal setting? Do you sort of sit down and think, this is what I want to achieve here? Do yeah. you think that's valuable? Yeah, I do. And I, I've looked back at um, some of, like, I'll write down, like, things and, and um, I'll write down, like, one year goals and three year goals and five year goals. And I'll look at them and, like, reflect back on, like, oh, did what happened there and what what happened here and and sometimes like no I don't achieve any of them <laughs> <laughs> you know it just doesn't happen but the the little ones that I do I'm really proud of following our conversation about goal setting I asked Leona what advice she would give to listeners and the demographic is predominantly women but just to flag it up all men are welcome but I asked her what advice she would give to women who are trying to set and reach their goals. And um, her, her response is really lovely. What would, you, what would you like to say to other women who are trying to reach their goals or trying to pursue their passions? Um, I would say that, um, like I said in the, in the chat, that the heart of the women's movement is women supporting women. Um, I've benefited from that because I've had really strong females in my life, like my mum, uh, my aunties, my friends. Um, so I feel like it's very important for us to be supportive of each other. Mm. Um, and I feel like, you know, achieving goals and I, in my line of work, music, it's all collaboration. Mm. Um, it's, I, I co-create with everyone around me from my amazing manager who's a female I've been working with for 10 years because I'm all about supporting females especially in the music side mm. uh, the business side of music because it's so imbalanced out there it's so male dominated mm. and that has a trickle down effect uh, to the artists that are you know representing mm. females so I'm all about supporting that um, and I wouldn't be able to do what I do without her without Laura, who's amazing. Laura's um, in the room. Say hi, yeah. Laura. Hi. Say hi. <laughs> um, and strong women around me that are, are, and we're helping each other. So I feel like, um, like I said, it's collaborative, mm. and we should all be really just lifting each other up. I hope you enjoyed the inspiration compilation. I've been your host, Emma Gunnar Wardner, and you've been listening to the Emma Gunn Show. 
If you want to get in touch, it's so simple. Just email me at thebeautypodcast at gmail.com or why not send me a DM? I'm pretty much on it all the time and you can get me on Twitter and Instagram. My social media handle is at Emma Guns. That, that's at E-M-M, E-M-M-A. It's late, sorry guys, this took a long time to edit. It's at E-M-M-A-G-U-N-S. And I do my level best to get back to everybody as quickly as I can. Now, wherever you're listening to the show, I'd be so grateful if you could click that subscribe button. But if you are listening over on iTunes, it would mean the world if you could write me a rating and let everybody know what you think. Thank you so much. There's another great show coming along next week. So I hope to see slash hear you then. 